Welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Bible Study. For broadcast times in your area of these studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now it's time to begin our Sunday study with your speaker, Chris McCann. Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship Sunday Afternoon Bible Study. Today is study number 8 of Daniel chapter 2. And we're going to begin reading in Daniel 2, verse 31. Thou, O king, sawest and behold a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. The image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet, part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, And the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings. For the God of heaven has given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven, hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold, and after thee shall arise another kingdom, inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, For as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. But there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mix with miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. I'll stop reading there. 
and I wanted to read the entire um, in, dream and interpretation of it so we could uh, get a sense of the whole thing. And uh, um, in our last study, we were looking back at verse 31, where it says, Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image, this great image whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. That's the image of the beast. That's what King Nebuchadnezzar dreamed. That's what went from him. And now God has revealed Nebuchadnezzar's dream to Daniel and his friends. And they're also able to see the image and provide the interpretation of it. And and so we know as far as the image's head was of fine gold, in verse 38, yeah, we're told at the end of that verse, Thou art this head of gold, that is, speaking to King Nebuchadnezzar. He is the head of gold. But spiritually, Nebuchadnezzar represents Satan. So Satan is the head of gold. The the image is of um, Satan, really. It's it's the image of himself. Uh, the the head um, is is that which pictures the devil, the enemy of God. Now the word image is the same word that's found in Genesis chapter one. Genesis one. And verses 26 and 27, where it says, and, and God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And that helps us to understand what an image is. A man was created in the image of God in his likeness. And we find in the New Testament, in Mark chapter 12, when the Pharisees, or the leaders of the Jews, were attempting to trap Jesus into um, saying something that they could use uh, to go to the Roman authorities or go to the Jews, either way, depending on how he answered. In Mark 12, it, it says in verse 13, And they send unto him certain of the Pharisees and of the Herodians, to catch him in his words. And when they were come, they said to him, Master, we know that thou art true, and carest for no man, for thou regardest not the person of men, but teachest the way of God in truth. Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? And and again, 
they thought they had the perfect question to trap him one way or the other. It didn't matter what he said. Yes, it's lawful. Then they go to the Jews who despised the Roman authorities and the tax collectors, and they would say, well, Jesus supports them. Or, no, it's not lawful. And if he gave that kind of answer, they would go to the Romans and accuse him of usurping their authority, of trying to foster rebellion and and not pay taxes and so forth. So they thought either way, one way or the other, we're going to have something to accuse him with. And yet the wisdom of God is just no match for little tiny feeble man and in his little mind and and so Christ answers when they ask the question is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not shall we give or, or this is still them asking the question shall we give or shall we not give but he knowing their hypocrisy said unto them why tempt ye me bring me a penny that I may see it And they brought it, and he saith unto them, Whose is this image and superscription? And they said unto him, Caesar's. And Jesus answering said unto them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. What a perfect answer. And, of course, it instructs us today We're not to argue. We're not to dispute. If a lawful government is requiring taxes from us, but but that's another matter. We see that the money, the coin, had the image and superscription of Rome, of the Caesar of Rome. That is, it had his picture on it. it. It it was his likeness. And therefore, it indicated, which is one thing we can gather from this little passage, that it belonged to him. It belonged to him. It was in his image. And it's also true of mankind created in the image and likeness of God. Man was God's creature. God's the potter. We're the clay. We're the pottery. We're, we're vessels that belong to him. And that's one thing that's in view when we find an image and someone or something is in the image of another. It typically belongs to the one whose image it is. Well, also in the New Testament, in Romans chapter 1... It says in verse 21, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory 
of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and to and four-footed beasts and and creeping things wherefore God also gave them up and and then it continues but we see that that man in his wisdom the world's wisdom which is no wisdom at all um in their profession of this wisdom they actually become fools they change the glory of this great uncorruptible god into an image made like to corruptible man and and other animals and things that is there is a true god man is made in his image but man in his sinful rebellion against god develops other gods false gods he he uh, carves wood decks it with silver and gold or he makes it out of stone he'll make an image of himself like a buddha a buddha is just some man uh, that that people worship and 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 call a god or like a golden calf they they make an animal or some other sort of creature and what um a terrible thing it is it, when we compare and consider the almighty god of creation this all-powerful being creates creatures and then the creature in a perverted way in in a blind way looks to some fellow creature another man or animals or a bird or whatever and makes an image of it and and then bows down to it and says this is my god and it it really is an ugly ugly sin because the, these are just creatures also that one creator made. Well, this is why it says in verse 25 of Romans chapter 1, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. That's what man in his fallen condition does. He uh, he uh, prefers the lie. He abhors the truth. And, and so he will not worship the one true God who he is in the very image of, but he will go to great lengths to develop another image of something else to worship just so he doesn't have to submit to the God of the Bible. It's very um, just ugly and and sad that this is man's condition, but it is. In Colossians chapter 3, it says, beginning in verse 9, Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, after the image of him that created him. Now, um, this verse is actually very important for us as we 
consider what an image is, what what the image of the beast is. Remember, um, I'm going to come back here to Colossians, but in Daniel 3, in the next chapter, King Nebuchadnezzar makes an image. And, of course, it's all a result of his dream and the interpretation of the dream. Thou art this head of gold. And and so it was very much on his mind, and he commissioned that an image be made. And it says in Daniel 3, verse 1, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dora in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, sent to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, and captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations and languages, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image, that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. So, here historically, Nebuchadnezzar builds a golden image that all must worship. All must bow down. Well, we know that in Revelation 13, when when it, it speaks of the image of a beast, and we'll hopefully have time to look at that later, that it's referring to Satan at the time of his loosing. The image of the beast has everything to do with the Great Tribulation and, and the time of the end of the world, which we've already gone through and come out the other side. God's elect have... Uh, been delivered out of the Great Tribulation. The Great Tribulation period concluded on May 21, 2011. Yet the image of the beast was made, it was set up, and the call went forth that all must bow down and worship. That has already taken place, and yet there was no physical image anywhere. That is, historically, in in Babylon, there was a literal physical image, and, and the music sounded, and everyone had to bow down. But on May 21, 1988, when Satan was loosed, and, and for that 23-year period, there's no golden image set up anywhere in Jerusalem or in New York or or in uh, Tokyo or anywhere in the world, you could not find a golden image. That's why Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10 is important because it helps us 
to understand the image is not a physical image. Let me read it again. In Colossians 3, verse 10, speaking of putting off the old man with his deeds in a previous verse, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So God saves a sinner, and the old man is is put off and his deeds, and a new creature, a new man is put on, and this sinner who just became saved is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So the image of God is uh, imputed or it's conveyed, it, it's brought to this sinner through renewed knowledge. That is, man is dead in sin, in darkness. The whole world lieth in darkness. He's spiritually blind. He's ignorant and deaf and dumb and everything else that that's bad. Uh, spiritually speaking, he's dead and knows nothing. And, and that's why in the world, as he, he's still physically alive, he walks around, he talks, he thinks, he acts, and it's all contrary. It's all against the thing that he was created for, that God himself to be made in God's likeness and image, his actions, his thoughts, his uh, his words, his entire demeanor is contrary to that image in his sinful condition. The the image of God, we we know God is love and faith and 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 all the fruits of the spirit, goodness and gentleness, and man is not. Man is none of those things. God is also absolute truth, absolute um, perfect truth. Man prefers the lie, believes the lie, trusts the lie, lives a life that is a lie, and therefore is in those things not following or being in the likeness of the image of God. But once God saves the man, once God saves the sinner, then he's renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Now, he begins to learn. He begins to learn truth. He he begins to experience the fruit of the Spirit. And, and he begins to think and act and speak more in the way that he was created originally to think and act and speak, in the likeness of God, because he has the word of God to instruct him, to teach him, and he's learning, he's gaining knowledge as he continues on, he's growing in grace and in the knowledge of God, and more and more, 
becoming in the likeness of God. At least that that's how it should be. As he goes on advancing, improving by, of course, God's grace and through his spirit and, and, and showing forth the likeness of God. Let your light so shine before men that that's God's likeness. What God is like and the elect of God, the people that have uh, been delivered out of the darkness and translated into the light, now are taking on God's image. And and uh, it, it's being seen by others in the world because they're renewed in knowledge. They... They're speaking of things and doing things and, and acting, um, in certain ways that are revealing the character, the nature, the attributes of God, the one they were created in his likeness. And others around us that, that are unsaved and in darkness see this and react or respond in a negative way because they hate the light. They're, they prefer um, the dark. They, they prefer to be themselves after another image. Whatever it is, they're, they're not choosy. It could be another image of a man or a creature, anything but the image of God. Well, now when the church that professes to have the truth of God, and therefore they're, they're actually professing to be made over in the image of God, in Christ's image. We have the word of God. We follow the word of God. We have God's image. Well, when they, at the time, they were turned over to Satan... And they hold on to every error or every false doctrine, every lie, and it's not hard to show the uh, erroneous teachings of the world's churches uh, on practically every point of doctrine. But why is that? Why are are they so error prone? Why are they so blind and when it comes to spiritual things and the teachings of the Bible, especially today. Well, the answer is because they've had a makeover. You know, sometimes you hear about someone getting a makeover. They they look a certain way and, and then a hairstylist gets them and 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 gives them a whole new makeover and they almost look like a different person. Well, for 1955 years, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, dwelt in the midst of the candlesticks, in the midst of the churches and congregations of the world. And the church, therefore, was counted faithful because of that. But once Christ departed out, Satan entered in, and this took place at the beginning of the Great Tribulation period. And who is Satan? Who is Satan? 
what does Jesus tell us about Satan? Well, he tells us in John chapter 8, this information, when the Jews were not receiving his words, and of course he speaks nothing but truth, in John eight forty three, Why do ye not understand my speech, even because ye cannot hear my word? Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it. So Jesus states that Satan is a liar and the father of it, and And that's, of course, a true statement. Because who spoke the first lie? Satan did. Ye will not surely die. God does know. And the day you eat thereof, ye shall be as gods. He lied to Eve and Adam, who was with her. He conceived a lie. And in conceiving something, you become the father of it. Satan spoke the first lie. It, it it was his invention. And he is the father of lies. Just as God has his character, his attributes, that are all good and wonderful, and uh, we, we read about them uh, in the Bible, so too does Satan have character and attributes that are all negative, all evil. And the chief characteristic is he lies. He lies. He, he, he goes about as an angel of light, but he's not an angel of light. Uh, what's that say there in Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13, for such are false apostles deceitful workers, both false and deceitful are are words that identify with lying, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works." Satan brings other kinds of gospels, not the true gospel. Satan teaches lying doctrines, not true doctrines. This is his nature. He's a liar and the father of it. And and so when God, the Holy Spirit, the thy word is truth, the spirit is truth, God is truth, left the church. The church which professed to be in the image of God and therefore its image or its likeness was to be found in truth. Primarily when we deal with the Bible, the word of God, the gospel, truth is supremely important. And so the the church professed to have that likeness and that image of God. But then Satan entered in. Satan took his seat as the man of sin. 
sitting in the temple, showing himself that he was God. And Satan is a liar and the father of lies. And now the church belongs to him. And and just as children appear in the likeness of their father, remember uh, what it said of Adam, and, and I'll read it in Genesis 5, verse 3, And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness, and after his image, and called his name Seth. So children are in the likeness of their father. Well, Satan, the father of lies, now was perched. He he sat, he ruled within the churches and congregations of the world. And the church took after his likeness and became more and more deceitful, more and more um, prone to error, more and more ready to speak a lie, to maintain a confession or a creed, and and so forth, and and just they they loved, they prefer, they they only knew the lie. They see the lie as the truth. And, and they have no love for the truth. That's what took place within the churches and the congregations. And, and so when we read of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had, or the dream of the image that he had, and, and then, uh, Daniel's interpretation, thou art this head of gold. And then Nebuchadnezzar Mix an image, and remember the historical narrative portion that we're in in the book of Daniel identifies with the Great Tribulation. So it all fits together with what happened at the point of Satan's loosing throughout the entire 23-year Great Tribulation period. And, and so when we read in Revelation chapter 13 concerning the beast, as it says in verse 12, and he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men and deceiveth them that dwelleth on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And, and so the image of the beast is declared, it is to be made. Satan requires an image. He wants an image to be made of himself. But how do you make an image of a spirit creature? He's a fallen angel. The angelic beings are spirit. You 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 can't uh, draw a picture of a spirit because it's a spirit. And and there people try, they they draw 
some figure of uh, a little child with wings or or something else but it's it, it's not an accurate reflection of the image of the angelic being you cannot make an actual physical image of satan the the idea that the world puts forth of the man with a red cape and 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 horns and the pitchfork is ridiculous remember he comes as an angel of light he doesn't come looking menacing and and as wicked or evil as possible he comes with all sweetness and and uh, seeming goodness he he comes with flattering words he he declares peace and the only problem is there is no peace when he declares it but he comes saying things people want to hear, like to hear. He tickles ears, and he comes with gospels that are very easy. I mean, when you compare Satan's gospel with God's gospel, it's um, no comparison as far as, uh, on one hand, with Satan's gospel, all you have to do is say a couple of words. I accept you, Lord. I yeah, I believe in Jesus Christ. And uh, oh, the whole church is ready to rejoice and stand up and clap. He said he believes. He made a profession of faith. Hallelujah! And he's saved. That's Satan's gospel of easy believism, instant pudding for an instant pudding generation. And God's gospel, the true gospel in the day of salvation was first, whoa, I'm a sinner. I'm under the wrath of God and I deserve it. And I'm on my way to destruction, to annihilation. And, and so yet God in his mercy permits me, a dirty, rotten sinner, to cry out and beseech him, dear heavenly father, have mercy upon me, a sinner, and then you're saved. No, no, God does, makes no guarantees. The true gospel of the Bible makes no guarantees. You can cry and cry all day long, and if if God doesn't save you, and he may not, then the next day, in the day of salvation, you could continue to cry and beseech and like blind Bartimaeus, cry all the more if anyone tried to uh, quiet you down. It, that was the true gospel, and then you wait. And you might wait a week, and you might wait a month, you might wait 30 years. It, it, there was no telling, and perhaps there was never uh, any, uh, again, guarantee it may not be God's will to save you. That that always hung over the head of the one that would come to God. And, and well, you see the difference? And what are people going to opt for? Natural-minded people. As a matter of fact, which gospel seems kinder and gentler and... And just better for a man. Well, the, the quick and easy one. And, and with that one, you see, it, it just seems God's more loving and, 
and, and everything about that. And yet that's Satan's gospel. That's the deceitful one. That's the lying gospel. That's the one that has as its father the father of lies. And it is not the true gospel of the Bible at all. And so the church began to take the form, the take after, to become the likeness of Satan through its lies, through its deceitful dealings with the word of God, through its failure to be good stewards of the mysteries of God, of the Bible. And, and more and more, the, the more wrong it was, the, the falling over backwards, speaking in tongues, easy believism, the, of free will, and, and women preachers, um, homosexual pastors, or, or just the whole idea of the church being accepting and welcoming of homosexuals who are active in that sin. That would be like the church being uh, welcoming of anyone active in any sin. Well, yes, come in. Uh, you, you can continue drinking and you can continue doing whatever your particular sin is and God loves you and, and there, you don't have to change a bit. That, that's the lies of Satan. They, they've just overrun, overcome the camp of the saints and Therefore, the corporate church, not the eternal church, because God's people have been renewed in knowledge, the elect have been renewed in knowledge after the one that created them, and and they are in his image, in God's image. But the corporate church, that that's the church where there was wheat and tares and now only tares, in the corporate church, as they have their their teachings, if as they have their gospels, they have been made over into the image of the father of lies, into the image of Satan. And it goes on to say here in Revelation 13, verse 14, at the end of the verse, said it that they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And and that uh, is proof that we're on the right track, we're understanding things correctly, because this image is not an image of stone or or wood decked with gold and silver, as historically Nebuchadnezzar set up an image of gold. It, it's not a lifeless image, in other words. It's not made of material things. A- again, uh, he had power to give life unto the image of the beast. So that means... That Satan's image in the time of the Great Tribulation, number one, has life. It has life. And number two, it says that the image of the beast should both speak. 
So it has life and it has an ability to speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. It also has some kind of authority to kill. Now, you cannot find any statue anywhere in the world that has life. And you're certainly not going to find it that is able to speak or that possesses any kind of power or authority to kill. Yet, all of those things do apply to a corporate church. And and they themselves would say, we're a living organism. We're not buildings. We're, we're not the um, stone buildings that that are on your street corner, were a living organism because they look at themselves as the body of Christ. Now, of course, today they're not the body of Christ. You have to be truly saved to be a part of the body of Christ and the outward representation of Christ's body, which was the church, God has ended. He has uh, removed himself and and he, he no longer has that relationship with the churches of the world. The churches of the world today are no more the people of God than the Jews in the synagogues. The God ended his relationship with national Israel in the first century AD, and at that point they ceased to be his outward representation of his kingdom to the people of the earth. And, and we recognize that. Well, in 1988, God ended his relationship with the New Testament corporate church. They ceased to be his outward representatives to the people of the earth. They are not the people of God. They are not the body of Christ in even a representative sense any longer. But they think they are, and they they do have physical life, and the church is made up of people that are physically alive so they have life in that sense and they speak this image that is patterned after the evil one after the wicked one after the father of lies this image has the ability to speak every sunday the pastor or the priest or whoever climbs into the pulpit and and opens up the bible today that maybe that's not the case in every church some churches are so far out there but they open up the bible and they preach they speak to the congregation what are they speaking well number 1 since they're still a church when god has ended the church age there's the initial lie for the Sunday, and then whatever they're saying, they're, they're either implying or directly stating that coming to church, coming to their church on this day, this Lord's Day, is what will be a vehicle to transport the congregation, the members of the church, into God's holy heaven. Lie number two. They, some churches give altar calls, lie number three, and, and the, the whole idea of singing hymns and praying to worship God, lie, lie, lie. 
Because who took his seat within the churches and congregations? The man of sin. And God, the Holy Spirit, came out of the midst. You can't worship God if he's not there, present. And so in everything they say, in everything they do, it's a lie today. It's all a lie, and therefore they are showing forth, they are demonstrating that they have been remade into the image of the beast. Because the beast, Satan, is a liar and the father of it. And so uh, the third thing and, and last thing here in Revelation 13 is that they would cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And this relates to what it says in John 16, uh, beginning in verse 1, These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh, that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And there God equates being put out of the synagogue with being killed. Spiritually, it's the equivalent. And so, when the image of the beast is established, when it's been set up, and it was at the beginning of the Great Tribulation, throughout the Great Tribulation period, and the character of the churches began to turn. And church after church began to fall away. The great apostasy. Apostate means to fall away. And and they began to reflect the image now of the one that was in their midst. The one ruling them. And so the tongues movement took off and, and like wildfire and began to spread across the church world to the point where I think estimates are about 500 million of professed Christians have charismatic leanings today. That's how that would be perhaps one in four of every professed Christian in the world. That's how numerous that one particular lie, false doctrine, has gotten. And, and so the church began to take on the image of the beast. And in congregation after congregation, initially, early on, there were some of God's elect. There there was a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as it were, spread out a remnant of God's people within the world's churches. And as the churches were made over into the image of Satan, and they put forth these lying doctrines, the command went forth to bow the knee. That is, submit, submit. What's it matter? It's just a head covering. Even if you don't agree with it, just put it on to please the elders. We we actually heard that in one church. And, um, well, I won't name the, the denomination. And again and again, God's people were troubled. They... They, they were, um, encountering other kinds of gospels left and right and, and this doctrine and that doctrine and, 
and church after church they as they wandered to and fro within the land within the the churches and congregations they they went here one sunday and it was something else and there were some they were actually outright told you either have to uh bend the knee or that is uh, submit on this point of doctrine this teaching or you probably be happier going to another congregation. That is, they were being driven out. And some stayed. Some stayed and they, yeah, they, they accepted that the pastor was divorced. So they accepted the, the elders and the deacons were single men or, or, uh, maybe a woman pastor. They, they began to compromise just a little bit, just a little point. And really, I, I, I think one of the most accurate images that, that, uh, describes, uh, compromise when it comes to the Bible is the edge of the wedge. Satan just wants a little bit of edge, a little bit of edge of his error, his lie into the crack, which is your life, your heart, your soul. And just, just allow me entry on this one little point. And it doesn't really matter what point does it from Genesis to Revelation. It just if he can gain entry, if you're willing to accept this lie, alright, just a little, little point, uh, I'll compromise on that just to keep peace in the home or whatever reason a person justifies it and then the edge of the wedge goes and then the hammer blow eventually comes that splits the wood because it's coming if if you compromise on the least you can believe that there will be more opportunities to compromise greater pressure applied to you on other points and then it becomes well you know, you, you gave in on that one little point. Might as well on this little point. And before you know it, you, you're the, the professed Christian. You're the one that's now, um, sitting there and, and, and becoming, um, just, just dumb to it all, numb to the things that are going on around you as far as all the, the lies that are being taught. And, and, and that you're willing to receive or willing to have your family receive because, well, eventually, if that's the case, you were never saved. But God protects his people and God in his wisdom got his people out of the churches and congregations at the time the image of the beast was being set up. But, of course, even outside the church, Outside of the church during the Great Tribulation, there was, there was testing for the people of God as we saw in, in Daniel chapter 1. Well, um, let me just finish reading here in Revelation 13 verse 16. He causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. That's within the church. 
buying and selling has to do with with bringing the gospel. And and this is the case. Right now, all the church world, 100%, was given over to Satan, finally, by the end of the Great Tribulation, and they became that image, and no man was able, no true man, a person without guile, was able to function within the church body, the outward physical churches of the world. And and so God had his people operating and bringing the final call of the gospel, the, the declaration of Judgment Day, May 21, 2011, to the people of the earth outside of the church or away from the image of the beast. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship Sunday Bible Study. For more information or to hear additional Bible studies, be sure to visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com.